to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Bullock. People, organizations, and communities need to prepare for and respond to natural and man-made disasters in a timely manner and in the most effective way possible. Our program examines what is being done before, during, and after a disaster and those unexpected events to keep you in the know. Disasters can happen to anyone. The question is, when will it happen to you? Now, here is your host, business continuity and disaster planning expert, Alex Bullock. And welcome to another episode of Preparing for the Unexpected. I'm your host, Alex Fullick, and as always, we like to talk about things related to resilience, business continuity, disaster planning, COVID, anything that helps you, your organization, or your community plan for, respond to, and overcome adverse situations. Speaking of uh, topics, um, today we are going to be talking about uh, a topic that was presented at BCI World in November, or Vir- BCI Virtual World. I better get the, n- the name right. They'll get mad at me. You know, in, in November, I was presenting there. Uh, for longtime listeners, you'll know that I talked about it for quite a while, and that uh, every week I said I hoped to be able to speak with, uh, you know, a couple of the presenters there and have them come on the show and uh, talk about what uh, they presented there. And today, I am lucky enough to do that. The topic. Uh, before I forget, is leading for resilience, creating resilience in the teams you lead. And I'd like to welcome to the show the presenter of that topic, Tammy Horton. Tammy, welcome to the show. Hi, Alex. Thanks for having me on the show. Oh, it's a pleasure to have you here. Now, I know you and I have exchanged emails and, you know, I've uh, attended BCI, but I've got listeners and now with the YouTube channel viewers all around the globe. So could you take a minute or two and talk about yourself, what you do and how you got into what you do? Yeah, sure. So my name's Tammy Horton. I'm the CEO and founder of Phoenix Initiative. We're an organization that do mental health training and coaching. And so of course, part of that is doing resilience building. So how I got into this was um, I have my own lived experience of mental health issues, uh, my own, but also of caring for a partner and uh, children and also being a manager of staff who have had mental health issues. And all the while, while I was in the public service, I kept on, you know, all these people kept on being drawn into my proximity that were struggling. But uh, I've always wanted to help people. And I thought it was, uh, you know, as an IT help desk operator, so that's where I started. Then it kind of moved to being a manager of those teams. And then I got given the opportunity to be the business continuity manager for the department that I was working with. Now, this this was something completely new to me. And um, I thought, well, I'll give it a go. Apparently, someone had said that I was a good operator. I don't know who had told them that. But anyway, um, <laughs> I thought, I'll give it a go. And uh, look, in I absolutely loved doing the business continuity work because it was then able to help lots more people, it was actually helping the organisation to become more resilient, um, identifying where potentially we would have problems but when I got the job, we were going through a really major change in part of the organisation I was in. So I was actually having to use a lot of personal resilience skills, but also um, trying to build the resilience up in the team because we had so much pressure that was being put on us to deliver for multiple organisations and um, 
management was changing, uh, our director left, people wanted to go and it's just like trying to hold everyone together. And so I stayed with that team and I really loved doing the work, but I still kept on being called for this. I've got to do something else. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, I kept on being drawn back to the, per, the, the people resilience rather than the organisation itself. It was, it was the people resilience stuff and I was thinking, how can I do more of this? And so that's when, you know, the idea of the Phoenix Initiative came into play because the Phoenix is a regenerative being, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, when it comes to the end of its life, it sets itself on fire and it transforms and it rises from the ashes. So that's kind of a bit what resilience is. You know, you get knocked back. So how can you re- then rebuild yourself to rise up? So I decided in 2018 to leave the public service and start my own business. And, you know, it's now starting to, to grow, which is fantastic. And uh, COVID gave me a bit of a, a tap last year because I had to stop doing some of the face-to-face things. But, you know, I proved that I was resilient because I moved to online. And, uh, yeah, I haven't looked back since I've left. So, But I'm very, very much focused around the personal resilience and building that resilience up within teams in order for then organisations to be resilient. Because if you don't have resilient people, then you're going to struggle. Exactly. You know, I, I, w- I was just thinking that, you know, that, you know, when it comes to organizational resilience, everybody starts at the top, you know, and they think uh, processes. Well, if you're starting at the top, that that's okay if it's the people side of it, you know, or they focus on process. But overall, you've got to do it for all people or the entire organization won't work, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so just to clarify, because sometimes I hear different definitions, what is your definition of resilience? Okay, so my definition of resilience is for everyone to be able to manage the everyday stresses that come up in life um, and to be able to bounce back from those inevitable setbacks that we have, but also to proactively prepare for setbacks that we're going to have in the future. And we're human beings, right? We're all going to have setbacks of some kind, whether that's, um, you know, losing a family member to death or losing a job or, you know, maybe having a car accident. It's being able to prepare ourselves for those things that will happen, um, not, you know, not necessarily in terms of specificity. Oh, my God, that word doesn't work. Um, <laughs> specific things. Um, but, uh, you know, being able to prepare ourselves so that when we do get hit back, we then are not knocked back, you know, for months on end. It's, you know, maybe just a few weeks. And then we can pull ourselves back again because we can't always go back to where we were. Right. Well, if you go back where you were, you really didn't overcome the situation. You're kind of still in the same spot. You didn't move forward. Yeah, that's right. Right. You didn't learn anything. Yeah. No. So, and it's it's about being able to learn those skills then and uh, be ready for it. And building resilient skills is for everybody. Uh, a lot of people think, oh, yeah, but it's only for those people that aren't particularly strong-minded, but it's actually for everybody because we're all going to get knocked back at some point. It's is just part there, of the human experience. I'm going to go off our agenda here a little bit, but is there um, characteristics that make uh, one person uh, better at becoming resilient and making themselves more resilient than others? Are there different mindsets or different kinds of people that, you know, that sway how much resilient, how resilient they can become? 
I I think we can we can all become very resilient, but there will be some people that um, might struggle more than others. So people who have a very traumatic uh, childhood may struggle with their resilience more than others because as that's basically where our um, our resilient skills are starting to be built as as little kids, and it can go either way. So you can have a very traumatic background and be super resilient because you've had to to work out lots of ways to do things, but then, you know, it can be the other way. So I don't think there's anything really specific. Um, It's very much an individual thing. And, um, you know, if if I look back at myself as a a younger person, I I wasn't very resilient, but I've done an awful lot of work um, in the last few years. And so I'm much more resilient. So... I, I would never have been able to cope with COVID 10 years ago. Whereas now it's like, oh, yeah, okay, so what do we need to do differently? So it, it is you need to take a lot of ownership around building your mm-hmm. own resilient skills um, and it's a lot of personal responsibility because you're the only person that can control, you know, the things that happen, that how you respond to things. You can't necessarily control the things that happen to you but you can certainly control how you respond to it. So it's very much an individual thing. It is a mindset thing. And, um, you know, people, you need to have role models around you that can also help you. So having that connection, and that's what when we start looking at all the different domains of personal resilience, you know, if you if you don't have a, a network of people that you can connect to and rely on, then you're going to struggle, you what, know. What kind, you, of, what kind of people? Um. Just, just having connections with human beings. So I think during COVID, a lot of people have really struggled because they've had to work from home, you know, they, they, and they are missing that actual human connection because as, as human beings, we are hardwired for that and we actually need the physical proximity of people, not just the Zoom stuff because, you know, we're still looking, it's kind of we're still just looking at pictures and as human beings, we give off a lot of energy. We're, we're an energetic being and we need to feel that energy from other people. And when we don't get it, um, we tend to struggle. So it's people that are supportive. If you've got a group of people around you that are, are constantly, um, you know, telling you that you can't do things, that, you know, the dreams that you have or the vision that you have of where you want to go, if that's no good, you know, if it, there's a lot of negativity around you, well, then that's not going to help you either. So you need to be surrounded by people that support you in your process. So um, someone kind of says, you know, proximity is power. So if there's somewhere where you want to be, you know, you need to associate with people that are already where you want to be so that you can feed off that energy that they already have, you know, and emotions are contagious. So in a workplace, for example, if you've got a team that you've got a lot of negativity in, that it's just going to feed off itself. Whereas if you've got some people that are in there that are positive, then they can bring that positive energy and bring it up. So, um, yeah, that's kind of a really long-winded way of explaining that it's very individual. <laughs> no, no that, that, that's, that's good. Uh, I'm going to go off script again. What if somebody is kind of in a, um, a, a negative uh, situation or a funk, so to speak, you know, and they are surrounded by people who feed that? more more negativity and you said it's a mindset personal so how do i let's say i'm that person you know and we're going through covid you know how can i turn that around how can i say enough 
I, I want to uh, become resilient. I want to become better. I want to get out of this funk. You know, how do, yeah. how do I break away from that? Okay. What you've just <clears throat> said is the actual very first starting point is, is saying, I've got to change something, right? I don't want to be in this space anymore. So I need to do something else. So just, just by changing that, that little bit of energy in, in your mindset is, is the starting point. And then you need to seek out stuff that is or people that are going to help you to move out of that space. And if you're not going to get that in the workplace, then you need to get it outside of the workplace. Um, so whether, I, whether that's with family or friends or, you know, going out and doing community things. Um, I know for me, um, so this is kind of a little bit of some of my personal background. I was, I was in a very abusive relationship for a very long period of time. And um, as a consequence of being in that relationship, I became very, very isolated from everybody outside of work. So, and work was my respite. So I'd, I'd go and I'd make some friendships with them. But then when, when I left that relationship, um, I had to learn how to make friends again. And that was a really, really scary thing to do. But I knew if I didn't, um, then I was just, you know, I was going to be sitting at home alone and my mental health was not going to do very well because it because I would have been thinking about everything that I should have been doing or shouldn't have been doing um, and beating myself up. So I, I joined a meetup group, um, mm. which I'm sure there are meetup groups um, in America. So Canada. Um, just and Canada. Canada. Yeah, yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, so uh, I, I went to this meetup group. Now, it was a very out there meetup group. I probably, you know, jumped in the deep end. But as a consequence of going to just that one night, I've I've now met um, a person who is becoming a business partner for me now. Um, I became a regular at the event and I met all these amazing people that came along into the meetup group because it changed every week. And, um, yeah, I started to make new friends and I pushed some barriers. So that was kind of the start of my journey. So it's, it's really about choosing to make a change and looking for stuff that drives you. So a whole bunch of that is working out, well, okay, well, what is it that I really want to do? So where is it that I want to head? So having a, a purpose or a vision of where you want to go and then sitting down and working out, so how am I going to get there? Who is it yeah. that I can do this? So it might be that you listen to podcasts of people that uh, inspire you or talk about things that you're interested in. Or, you know, I joy, I, my kids bought me a ukulele and I, you know, started to learn how to play the ukulele. Now I'm part of a ukulele group that goes yeah. performing in places, you know. Nice. So, it, yeah, so it, wherever you can, stuff that brings you joy, I think is a, a good place to start. So stuff that makes you happy because the more things that bring you joy, it's easier to do and then you can kind of build from that. It, it, it sounded uh, or reminded me of, um, you know, if it starts with me making that d conscious decision that I want to change, I want to be better. It almost sounds like, uh, you know, uh, like an alcoholic, you know, you, you can't help an al alcoholic and an alcoholic won't change until they admit themselves that a change is needed. Yeah, you know? exactly. So exactly. that's, that's, uh, it, it's interesting how that uh, it starts. You know, it's almost Buddhist in nature. It starts with you. 
You know, absolutely. That, that's where yeah. it is. So I, I told you time would fly by. We are already at the end of our first segment. Today, we're talking with a BCI a Virtual World presenter, Tammy Horton, and her subject, Leading for Resilience, Creating Resilience in the Teams You Lead. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you ready for a broad look at everything to do with the world of sports? If so, tune in to the Mike Abadir Show. It's a unique perspective to the connections between sports and business. Host Mike Abadir has negotiated numerous deals in the NFL. Along with co-host Gino Bacola, Mike will bring his expertise, discussion, and some terrific guests to the airwaves. Listen live for the Mike Abadir Show every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Today, many doctors prescribe basic pharmaceuticals to their patients who aren't feeling well or have various aches or pains. Is this the right course of action for all patients? Definitely not. Find out about healthy, natural ways to help you feel your best by tuning in to the CBD Ed Show with host Edward Cheney. Ed will explain full-spectrum CBD, where the whole hemp plant can be used for treatment, and answer all of your questions about CBD and natural treatment in general. Listen Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Variety. You are listening to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Fuller. Email your questions to info at stone-road.com. Again, that's I-N-F-O at stone-road.com. Now back to Preparing for the Unexpected. Welcome back. Today we are talking with Tammy Horton on leading for resilience, creating resilience in the teams you lead. Uh, Tammy, great first segment, lots of good information there. Um, In your presentation at BCI, you talked about the resilience self and there were uh, six different uh, components related to that. Could you kind of uh, talk about those, what those six are and, you know, explain them a little bit? I thought they're they're rather interesting. Yeah, sure. So when when you have a look at when you do the Google search on the internet, there's a lot of there's a lot of different resilience frameworks, and they all have these things in common. And so that being a resilient person, there's lots of different aspects to that. So that the first one is having a purpose or a vision. So if you if you don't have a direction in which you're headed, then it, it's going to be like you're just you know floating around in the pond with with no movement at all and you're not going to keep moving forward so the first part of it is is having a direction of where you're going to head now sometimes that can be very unclear uh, is that um uh like career oriented or personal oriented or something you know i want to write a book or you know something like that you know what 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 does purpose actually referred to yeah. if, if it was me well it's it's really what fits for you so if we're talking about building resilient because we're talking about building resilient teams mm-hmm. so let's talk about the workplace so it's like well what is it that you want to do with your career so if if you have no idea what you want to do with your career you don't know where you're going to move you don't know what, so then you don't know what skills you need to build you know you don't know you know whether you want to move up into the ladder you don't know when you're going to retire if you don't have it as some kind of plan um, that keeps you on a path, so to speak, 
um, then when you start getting hit with difficult times, it just becomes even more murky because it's like, well, now I really don't know what it is that I want to do because all this stuff's happened and, you know, I've, I haven't mm-hmm. done anything that, you know, has keeps me online. Whereas if you've got something, you know, well, this is, I've said that I want to get to this level in the company, um, I need to build these skills, then this stuff's happened and they're moving me in this path. Well, what is it that I need to do to get back to where I need to be? Okay. So that's kind of your purpose stuff. The, the next part of it is a self-control or composure. So when you, we're talking about that, it's um, being able to manage our emotions. And so do, when we're under stress, our, our, our um, very primitive responses tend to come out. So this is where, mm-hmm. yeah, and we're going to talk a little bit about it a bit later, the, the limbic brain or the lizard brain, it gets fired up So when we're under stress. So having self-control is being able to recognise, oh, hey, I'm, I'm under stress right now. Um, I, I, I'm going to have to be mindful that I might get a bit snippy with people or, you know, I tend to, you know, work longer hours or ignore people when I get under control or, you know, when I get really angry, I burst into tears and people might think I'm sad, but I'm not. I'm actually really angry. So having a self, having that self-control is really important. So And it helps us to stay focused as well on our goals. Then we've got perseverance. So this is kind of that um, stick-to-itiveness. So, you know, be, how long are you going to stick with things before you give up? And so if, you know, you give up too easily, well, then you're actually never going to get to the other side of that uncomfortable period. And it's actually through the uncomfortable periods that we have that we actually grow. So you kind of do have to stick to things, but in a realistic way, because there's no point in sticking with something that's not going anywhere. So if you're in an organisation where, you know, there's you've got a boss that's above you that is a bit of a tyrant and they're not going to change and you're, you can see that your mental health's declining or that, you know, you're just going to be constantly hitting against this wall all the time, then you need to choose to like, okay, yep, I'm going to move around that obstacle. So that's, it's kind of that, that stuff. Um, The foundational one is your health. So if you don't, if you don't have um, a good health base, your resilience is really going to struggle. So when I talk about health, it's about having good sleep, um, fueling yourself with good food and exercise. So sleep sleep is, you know, vitally important to our body. It's where it repairs things. Um, and, you know, when we don't have sleep, our composure goes down, you know, just everything goes out of whack. If we're not um, feeding our body good food, then our energy levels tend to fluctuate a lot. And when the energy levels fluctuate, then our emotions tend to fluctuate as well. Same thing with exercise. If we're feeling really sluggish, then we don't have motivation to get moving to do other things. Um, The next one is reasoning. So this is being able to do problem solving. So the reasoning stuff is to being able to look at where there might be opportunity. So you might be being hit with different setbacks but what are the opportunities in those setbacks? Because, you know, there's always going to be opportunities in there rather so you, you, you can kind of work out ways of getting around them or over them or under them um, or maybe just going straight through, you know, that type of stuff. And then the final one is that connection stuff that I was talking about. Um, it's, it's a critical need for the human brain to have connections with other human beings. 
um, that are secure and positive. So you need, um, but even if you don't have that, having a connection with a pet um, might be so, but something that you can talk to, relate to, uh, you know, just put stuff out there. I know that sometimes, you know, I have ideas going through my head and um, one of my future son-in-laws, you know, who I call my tech expert might pop around and we just start talking about stuff. And then I say, oh, thanks thanks so much for helping me with that problem. He goes, what problem? And I said, <laughs> so it's just by being able to talk out loud about something and have someone else hear it and go, oh, yeah, that sounds good or, mm, you know, um, is really helpful. So that's, that's kind of the other one. So with all of those six, you know, um, you can have things that are sitting really high, some that are sitting really low, and so you need to be working on all six domains, you know, at some point. So that's kind of the nutshell. How does COVID affect that? If you're trying to lead a team and balance all those six areas, it's got to amp things up by 100 because it's got to be tough because you you don't have the connection. You know, somebody can look uh, and you mentioned, you know, break out in tears or, or, you know, show anger, but then just drop off a call. So you you can't, uh, you know, get in touch with them to try and address what's going on. COVID has got to uh, have um, increased some of the challenges with these six six items. Yeah, uh, yes, absolutely. Um, I, I've got an example of it because I was running a, a mental health first aid course just recently and one of the participants there was talking about a, a member of staff that she was quite worried with who worked in a different city, was working very remote, and they'd had some other traumatic stuff happen in the team as well as having covid and this person is now starting to not get on camera. Um, the text responses are getting shorter and shorter and shorter. Um, and so being able to have that, that human connection stuff is so vitally important so that um, you can pick up on when things are sliding early. Um, and this kind of goes into my mental health first aid stuff as well. Mm-hmm. And when I talk to, to leaders, saying to them, you have to get to know your people. And I've, I've had people say, yeah, but I'm not interested in getting to know, you know, what's going yeah, on. Yeah. Them I don't want to know work. them. Just need them I don't want to know. Them. I don't want to know yeah. them. And it's like, yeah, but when you think about it, you want them when they're at your workplace, you want them or, you know, they're working remotely, you want them to be giving you 100%, right? It's like, well, yeah, absolutely, because I'm paying them to do a job. And it's like, all right. So when, because they're a human being, what goes on for them outside of the workplace doesn't drop off when they start work. It's all still going on for them. If you can notice when someone's slightly off their game and you can say to them, hey, I've just noticed this, um, and you can have a bit of a conversation around it, then you can say, what is it that's going on? What is it that I can do as a leader to help then support you to get through this little bit of a hurdle? So, um, look, I, I've, I've, had, I've managed quite a few small teams and, you know, a couple of uh, bigger teams as well, but I always get to know my people to a point where, you know, I had a young cadet work for me and I knew she was having a bad day when she would slide down in her seat and the hood of her jacket would come up over her head. And it was 
I'd go up and check in on her and say, what's going on? And she goes, what do you mean? I'm going, well, you just slid down in your chair and your hood came up on your head. There's something going on for you. She goes, how do you know that? And I said, because I just know that that's, you know, you've had a, was that a difficult call that you just had? It's like, yeah, well, the person wasn't very nice. And I'm going, all right, well, let's have a conversation about that. You know, I had other staff members who walked in and he just looked so tired. I didn't necessarily need to know what was going on, but I just knew what my people were going, like what they looked like, what some of their tells were, if they were a very chatty person normally during the day and then for some reason they're not being very chatty for a week. So what's that about? Because if they're not, if they're struggling outside of work, they're going to be struggling inside of work and um, they're not going to be as productive which is no good for you because you want them to be productive. I think so, that's, the, yeah. that, that's the part some leaders, you know, have with their teams when you, you're getting to know them. I think some of them think of getting to know them means I have to know all their kids' names, their dog names, their favorite color, you know, the favorite music. And that's not what you're talking about. No. No, it's, it's getting to know what they look like. And, you know, and I've, because I, you know, collected these staff members that had had issues, I, I had one staff member who um, had worked for a number of different managers and every single one there was problems, right? Mm. Um, you know, there was timesheet issues or it wouldn't ring in or, you know, whatever. So he came, he came to me and I said, okay, look, I know that there's been issues in the past but you've got a clean slate with me, but you need to have, but you need to talk to me about what's going on for you um, because I'm going to talk to you about what's going on for me. So it's a two way street. So if you want, if we want this to work, it needs to happen, but I need to find out from you first, what is it that lights your fire at work? And I was like, I really love working with numbers. And I'm going, great. I said, what do you hate? He said, don't like doing customer service. (laughs) Have a guess what? The last three jobs he'd had were all customer service jobs. So, of course, he was doing work that he didn't enjoy to start with. So, of course, he was not going to be very engaged. So, I said, well, you know what? Unfortunately, this is a customer service role as well, but I guarantee you that any bit of numbers work I get, I'm going to give it to you to do. Whether it's at my level or at your level in terms of hierarchy in the organisation, I'm going to give it to you first for you to have a crack at and then you can explain it to me. And from that day forward, I didn't have any issues with him. Even though I didn't have a lot of numbers work, I'd actually taken an interest in what lit him up. And he then, you know, would talk to me about what was going on. He became more interactive with other members of the team. Um, He'd let me know when stuff was coming up. You know, it just changed the whole dynamic for him because someone took an interest, Hmm. you know. And that's as human beings, we just want people to like us, right? We want people to, to say, you know what, you're doing a good job. Yeah, it sounds so simple, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. But people get so hung up on, yeah, no, but I'm the boss and they need to do what I tell them to do and, you know, I don't want to know any of this stuff, but, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I seem to have a good track record managing teams. People don't want to move on from me unless they want to do different work. And then guess what? That's okay. I'll help them find another job because there's no point in them staying with me if that's not what they want to do anymore. So it's like, let me help you find work. Oh, re- what? Really? You're going to really? help me find a job? It's like, <laughs> yeah, why wouldn't I? <laughs> but, you know, I when, when you look at all my, um, I did my Gallup strengths thing just recently to work out what they are, uh, you know, in the top 10, I've got all the people stuff. 
So I'm just, I'm very passionate about people and making sure that they're, you know, living their best lives. Yeah, which is fantastic. You know. Yeah. Now you touched on this um, with the limbic brain and the uh, prefrontal cortex, and you talked about those in your presentation. Can you um, talk about those in a bit more detail now? Yeah, sure. So when we're, when we're talking about building resilience, there's two parts of our brain that um, are the main parts. So one is the limbic brain. So this is the oldest part of our brain. It's the oldest part in terms of our um, the way we've evolved. It's it's at the, the very back in the centre of our brain and it's responsible for our fight-flight mechanism. So it's very much about readiness and alert and it's, it's subconsciously it's the thing that is um, constantly scanning our environment all the time as to is am I safe? basically, is there going to be a saber-toothed tiger that's going to be chasing me any second? So that's, that's, that's one part. The other part of the brain is the prefrontal cortex, and this is the newest part of our brain when we look at evolution, and it's the part that's responsible for problem-solving. It has our, the, our creativity in there. It has our personality, um, all the, the higher thinking stuff that separates us from other animals. Now, when we're, when we're talking about resilient stuff, our limbic brain, when it comes across a situation that makes it feel uncomfortable, it fires up. And if it checks with the rest of the brain to see whether it should activate or not. And if it doesn't hear anything back from the rest of the brain to say, no, 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 everything's okay, then it'll, it'll go into fight-flight response. Does that um, link back I, to... The, the things you were saying before, like the uh, perseverance and managing your emotions, does it link back to that? Yes. Yeah, yeah, it does. Okay. Yeah. So if you, if you haven't built skills to be able to say to the limbic brain, yeah, hey, yep, we know this situation's new. Um, so it's like I t spoke to you before I came on air today, my limbic brain was getting a bit activated because I'm doing an interview, right? Um, my nerves started to play out and I started to feel nauseous because, you know, I, I experienced anxiety anyway. So I was starting to get this response. That was my limbic brain saying, uh -uh, there's stuff that's going to be happening that I don't know about. Um, so I had my, the front part of my brain needed to say, yes, it's okay. You're allowed to feel nervous. This is an unknown situation, but it's going to be all right. Let's just take a few deep breaths and let's just calm down. It's all fine. We don't have a saber-toothed tiger chasing us today. <laughs> and that Alex so, who being so bad. <laughs> no, and, you know, he's been really lovely. <laughs> so we need to build those skills up, though. And unfortunately, um, most of our automatic responses get built when we're kids. So, and because that's, we've got very young brains and absolutely everything is brand new. So if we don't have um, good role models around us or even, you know, even just everyday things, like I've got a friend who's written a book that's about trauma and because we, we have um, a definition that trauma is all about these big things that happen, but actually trauma happens when we're really little kids because it's how our brain processes things. So if a, a child was to lose mum in the shopping centre, like mum just went around the corner into the next aisle in the shops and the, and the child goes, oh, my God, I've lost my mum, 
that's a traumatic event yeah. for that little brain, right? Uh, and so it doesn't have the skills to be able to re reason to say, oh, yeah, that's okay, mum's just gone around the corner, I know where she is. It's just like, ah, there's that immediate response. I'm not safe anymore. My protector's not here. So mm -hmm. a lot of our responses are developed when we're younger. So it takes, as we get older, um, particularly if you don't recognise it until you're a lot older, it takes a lot of work to unwire those connections. But it is possible, but it just takes a lot of effort. And so that's what, when we're starting to talk about building those resilient skills, we need to, we do it little bits at a time um, because otherwise the brain's not going to um, hold on to those new connections. And I, I don't know whether you've heard the, the saying, what, you know, fires together, wires together. So you've got to do it, you know, lots of little times, but often. So and we talk about micro tasks and the stuff that I do. So doing little things, but often. So well, we're to, going to, to be make moved, a new path. We're going to be talking about those in just a minute, I know. So we're going to yeah. go there. So on that note, we've come to the end of our second segment. We are talking about leading for resilience, creating resilience in the teams you lead with Tammy Horton. We'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Want an insider's pass to everything that goes on in Hollywood? Join Summer Helene every week for Behind the Scenes. Summer Helene is known as the Duchess of Hollywood because she knows the insiders, legends, and celebs and brings the stories, the gossip, and the backstage scoop. It's the real Hollywood, though. So this program is for adults only. Behind the Scenes can be heard live every Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Attention veterans, are you ready to be your own boss? It's time to launch your own ideas into reality. Discover your clean writing style. Gear up with Marine Corps trained motivator, Christina Silva. Christina is a positive energy promoter with a special gift in connecting with innovators. Get the Military Heroes 411 and glean from experts every week by listening to The Christina Silva Show. We're educating our veterans live on The Christina Silva Show, live at 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. You are listening to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Fuller. Email your questions to info at stone-road.com. Again, that's I-N-F-O at stone-road.com. Now back to Preparing for the Unexpected. Welcome back. Today we are talking with Tammy Horton and leading uh, resilience teams. Uh, Tammy, you were, just before we had our break before, you were talking about micro tasks. You started to touch on that. Can you explain that a little bit more? What you meant by yeah. that? So, yeah. So, so micro tasks are just um, short periods of time when you are wanting, you do the new activity that you're wanting to learn. So whether it's, um, let's take something that people can relate to quite easily is learning how to play the piano, right? Um, if you want to learn how to play the piano, it's going to take you a long time to learn. But if you, if you sit down for an hour a day and practice over, you know, and you practice every day, 
you're actually going to learn how to play faster than if you were to do seven hours in one day. Even though you're doing the same amount of practice, um, your brain actually keeps working after each period of practice that you do. So if you do an hour today, your brain's going to keep going afterwards because it's going to start you know, laying those pathways down, you do another hour tomorrow. So you get kind of getting extra time on your practice, even though you're not doing it. But if you do it in long blocks, then it doesn't tend to sink in so well. So um, when we're talking about building resilience skills, then we look at doing little tasks. So today we might be doing a reinforcement thing, say around, um, you know, noticing our emotions, so rather than, you know, we're just going to sit for, you know, on our drive to work, just notice the emotions that come up. It's like, all right, okay, so I notice that when, you know, people don't indicate, I tend to fire up. Oh, what is it about? And you get curious about what that is. So it's just you're doing one little task every day for a period of time. All right, so what is it? So I noticed this. And then you can start, okay, now we're going to change the response. Okay, when someone cuts me off rather than go, ah, you know, and shake your fist at someone, you know, just maybe go wave at them and wave them in, you know. So it's a cha- just a slight change in behaviour and you just do it. And the, the new pathways then will lay down. So practice makes pathways. Sure. So, And if you're trying to change a habit, because sometimes people say, oh, yeah, it takes, you know, 16 times to change a habit or 25 times to change a habit. It actually depends on how ingrained the habit is and whether what you're trying to do then goes against some of your other values. So earlier on you mentioned um, like an alcoholic choosing to make a change to their drinking behaviour. If they've been drinking for a very, very long period of time um, and they then decide to change it, it's going to take them a long time to actually change that habit because it's so ingrained in the pathway. So they have to not do one thing and do the new thing in lots of little tasks. Um, And, you know, there's a whole bunch of other stuff in amongst all of that as well because generally people who have alcohol issues have got other things that they have to deal with as Mm -hmm. well. It's not just the drinking. Um, There's a whole bunch of reasons why they're doing it in the first place. So there can be a lot of things that they're trying to change all at the same time. So it's going to take a lot of work. Um, But the more you practice it in little steps, the better it gets. So I, I relate it back to my ukulele learning. You know, I, I would pick up the ukulele for 15 minutes and just practice, you know, finger movements. And, you know, it became a lot easier doing it in little spurts because it kind of kept my interest more rather than, oh, I've got, you know, I've got to practice for two hours. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I can pick it up for 15 minutes and just do it. And then it's like the muscles then learn the memory as well. So that's kind of what micro tasks are all about. It's interesting you mentioned uh, learning piano because with COVID, um, I started to teach myself how to play synthesizer. So I have two cheap little synthesizers, and I've, uh, I don't expect everyone to know who he is, but Gary Newman, um, who sang Cars many years ago, you know, and mm-hmm. got lots of albums and everything, but still lots of keyboards. So I've been teaching myself a lot of his stuff, and I now can play with both hands. And I do it for an hour every day, you know. Excellent. And uh, the drinking habit, uh, or the, the drinking, I shouldn't say habit, the drinking example, 
Um, my father, uh, at a time in his life, had a problem with uh, drinking too much, you know, and he made a change later on uh, as well. So I made a change at the same time. You know, I didn't have a drinking problem, but I decided, you know, you know, if, if I, I don't want to get to the point where I have a problem. So I started drinking, um, you know, uh, less alcohol in the beer, you know, those cheap ones. You know, I shouldn't say cheap ones. Sorry if anyone in the beer company is watching. Sorry. You know, uh, <laughs> less alcohol in them to the point where I was drinking non-alcohol beer. Now I don't drink at all. And it's been five years, you know, because yeah. I, I made that connection. I don't want to go there. This is what I want to do. I have to w change my habits. And I did. I got to the point where I just looked at it and went, I don't want it. You know, and, yeah. you know, it, it stopped five years ago. I can't have a beer now. You know, it, it just... I know it won't won't feel good if I did, you know. <laughs> so interesting, yeah. I, interesting you chose those. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's you know, it's mm. it's things that people can you know can relate to quite easily. Mm -hmm. yeah. Now let's look at uh, resilience teams. You know, um, yeah. you you gave a uh, some examples on how uh, and what makes up resilient teams. So, can you kind of uh, give us some insight on that? Because I'm sure there's you know there's some team leaders and managers uh, listening and watching right now. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so it's um while while I've been saying you know we're talking about individual resilience, um, just because you've got a team of people, uh, individuals that are resilient it doesn't necessarily mean that your team is going to be resilient because they're all resilient in their, for their own stuff, right? They're all going along their own visions, their own pathways, they're regulating their own emotions and things. So when we're talking about building resilient teams, there are some additional things that we have to think about. So one of them is um, we talk about having robust teams, so um, the robust teams are now about, you know, um, being able to um, have that meaning and purpose that's common for everybody and being able to be adaptable to the change that's happening for the team as they arise. So some of the questions that leaders need to ask themselves is how well are they linking their team's activities to the why of the organisation? Um, how are you, as a leader, how are you proactively modelling the behaviours that you expect of everybody in the team? You know, how do you promote adaptability to change as the leader? You know, what, are you demonstrating your value to others? So you're kind of building that connection um, towards one vision for the team. So then, then we need to be resourceful. So do your teams have all the resources that they need in order to do their work. So do they have, do they, do you have all the skill sets that you need in order to get your work done? Um, and if you don't have them, how are you going to go about getting them? So it might be that you need to connect with other networks to be able to bring in some skill sets or to share resources with other people. So, um, and as leaders, you know, are you, again, are you modelling this? Are you having conversations where you can, Talk about, you know, what do we need to do our jobs better every day? Are there things as a manager I need to be doing for you? You know, how can we keep each other accountable? That type of stuff. Of course, there's still the perseverance side of things as well. Um, so 
this is all about having a solutions focus rather than a problem focus. So when we get hit with stuff, it's like, well, okay, so what are the solutions we're going to come up with? Again, it's that, you know, when you get setbacks, what are the opportunities that that involves? So as leaders, what type of language are you using when you're talking about problems? Are you talking about them as problems or are you talking about them as challenges? Because that by just changing one word, it gives a different feel to something. You know, problems yeah. are a lot harder to fix, but challenges like, oh, yeah, well, you like we can get through this. It kind of um, boosts the spirit. Self-care, um, again, it's, it's kind of related to that health side of things, but what are you doing as a team to look after each other? You know, how are you checking in to see how people are going? You know, do how do we manage stress as a team? Do we take a you know, a half an hour out of our busy schedules and just go for a walk outside. Mm. You know, how are we looking after the well-being of the team? So that's the self-care stuff. Capability is just it's kind of tied with that resourcefulness stuff. But, you know, um, do you have the skill sets? Are we getting the right feedback in order to build our capability? Are we performing well? So it's, again, you know, having lots of conversations with people. Um the supportive teams, so it's, again, supporting one another. So how do we get to know each other on personal levels? Um, how do we encourage that mutual support or are we still working as individuals? You know, so a team's not going to function if we're just working as individuals. Yeah. Um, so we need to be supportive of one another. And that doesn't mean that, you know, you're hanging out on the weekends and all that type of stuff, but it's just, you know, how are we looking after each other? In And then the very last one is alignment. So if we're not aligned to those desired outcomes and about being optimistic and, and noticing our progress and celebrating our successes, then um, we're not going to function very well as a team. So it's kind of an additional layer on top of all that individual stuff. But it's really important that you recognise effort and you celebrate it. Even if it's just the tight, sometimes it's just the tiniest little thing of it. It's like, hey, we got through that day. Isn't that amazing? What? Let's celebrate, you know. Um, I tend to be a little bit out there with my celebrations and I jump around and, you know, I can be a little <laughs> bit silly. But <laughs> it's just like how do, how do you instill optimism? Because yeah. if you've got a, a happy workplace, it's easier to be productive. It's easier to be profitable. You know, people are going to want to come to work and do the work that they want, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, super important. We've got uh, a minute and a half left. <laughs> Can you take, uh, you know, a, a minute with any final thoughts you might have on uh, uh, resilience and uh, leadership and teams? Yeah. So just I just encourage anyone that's um, a leader of a team, to just to take some time out to get you get to know your people get get away from the workplace and just have some time to say hey let's just get to know one another because we spend an awful lot of time in each other's proximity and you know so let's let's be the best that we can be and how can we go about doing that and just have conversations with people and be and be vulnerable share some of your you know, your vulnerabilities because it's it's through sharing the vulnerability that, that you show that you're a human being and that people are then able to talk to you about what they're struggling with. 
if you keep on saying, no, I'm, I'm super tough and I can handle everything, well, that's what you're demonstrating. And if people are struggling, they're not, they're not going to be able to come to you because it's like, well, he doesn't get it or she doesn't get it because, you know, they're always so strong and super tough. So be vulnerable. Share some of your, 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 your war stories. You'll be amazed at the difference it makes. And on that note, we've come to the end of our show. Tammy, thank you very much uh, for all these uh, insights and uh, tips that you've uh, provided. I think it's going to be really helpful, especially during these COVID times, you know, um, with mental health and well-being and, you know, how that actually can help us become resilient and make our teams more resilient. I think, uh, you know, uh, I wish I had more time to talk to you. Uh, I, I it's really been a do. pleasure, Alex. So um, maybe another time we'll get you back and, you know, we'll talk more about some things. So thank you very much for your, your uh, expertise and your time. Uh, I really appreciate it. And congratulations for your presentation at BCI Virtual World. I'm sure it went over very well. It better have gone over very well. And to everyone listening and everyone watching, in the meantime, stay prepared, everybody. Thank you for joining us for Preparing for the Unexpected. Please tune in for another edition featuring your host, Alex Bullock, next Thursday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time and 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll see you here next week.